0: For a long time, insurance companies were, were trying to leverage, you know, telematics and, and automobiles, for example. I, I think consumers will be okay with that happening if there's a value proposition for them.
1: You're tuning in to the InsureBreak podcast. It's the podcast about the latest and greatest trends in insurance. I'm your host, Ash, and I invite you to join us as we interview experts and executives in insurance, covering innovative practices, technology advancements, and insight into the future of insurance. This podcast is sponsored by Zelros. Zelros is an AI software solution for insurance to hyperpersonalize the customer buying experience, with insurance recommendations across all channels, boosting client acquisitions, cross-sell and upsell. In this episode, we sit down with Satish Weber, Executive Vice President and Head of Sustainability at Cap Gemini. Capgemini is a global leader in partnering with companies to transform and manage their business by harnessing the power of technology. The group is guided every day by its purpose of unleashing human energy through technology for an inclusive and sustainable future. It is a responsible and diverse organization of over 325,000 team members in more than 50 countries. With its strong 55-year heritage and deep industry expertise, Capgemini is trusted by its clients to address the entire breadth of their business needs, from strategy and design to operations, fueled by the fast-evolving and innovative world of cloud, data, AI, connectivity, software, digital engineering and platforms. Listen in to this episode to learn about trends and sustainability and how that impacts insurance buyers and businesses, telematics, and how it can be used as a powerful tool for insurance companies to better serve their customers and how people are helping break down the gender inequality barriers to move toward a more diverse, equal, and inclusive environment in the insurance industry. Be sure to stick around until the end to get the full scoop. We are joined today by Satish Weber, Executive Vice President and Head of Sustainability Financial Services at Capgemini. Satish, thank you for being with us today.
0: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Can you give us a little bit of insight into your background? What is your current role? Like what do you actually do at Capgemini? Yes,
0: yeah, so I've been working at the intersection of uh, of technology and insurance for the last 25 years or so. I joined Capgemini about 5 years ago and uh, currently lead our sales and go-to-market for the insurance business across North America and the UK. And I've recently added the role of chief sustainability officer for our financial services uh, business globally to my responsibilities.
1: You know, when I say sustainability or sustainable business and financial services, what comes to mind? What does that mean to you?
0: Yeah, sustainability to me and and actually to Capgemini as well means creating a greener planet and a better future and applying technology to be able to do that. Um, As an organization, Capgemini has a target of becoming a carbon neutral business by 2025 and to help our clients save 10 billion tons of CO2 by 2030. For financial services specifically, I think sustainability has two lenses. Uh, One, you know, insurance companies and banks uh, becoming carbon neutral enterprises through more sustainable operations, sustainable IT, et cetera. But number two, I think financial services has a very unique ability to be a leader in driving change across society through more sustainable practices in underwriting, lending, portfolio management, risk management, and claims.
1: Interesting. I mean, I just, I mean, this might sound a little naive, but I'm just, I was always curious, financial services sector uses a lot of CO2. I mean, they emit a lot of CO2. Is it just the facilities or?
0: Yeah. So financial services, you know, are, do not have big, large carbon footprints like manufacturing, for example, but they do, they do have a carbon footprint and through things like moving to the cloud uh, and closing down data centers by using less paper. You know, insurance companies, banks, credit card companies all use a lot of paper, and cutting down on that, you know, saves creates more greener future. I think the bigger opportunity, though, as I said, for financial services companies is being able to drive um, more resilience as a, and a more sustainability throughout society through their core business and by transforming their core business.
1: I guess, how, how do you feel like insurance relates to that? Or what role does insurance uh, play in, in sustainability, do you think?
0: Well, insurance plays a really critical role because insurance, is, is insurance companies are the one that are going to cover all of the losses that will result and that are resulting in more climate-related catastrophes. I mean, 2021, you know, in the U.S. alone... Uh, claims from catastrophes topped 100 billion dollars um, and that's you know that those are claims that insurance companies uh need need to pay so insurance companies you know it's up to them to protect people's lives and people's properties and investments and it's important because it's you know it's good business as well society and regulators are demanding more and fast movers in this space are going to have a competitive advantage You know, I think insurance companies can help better predict, prepare, and recover from climate-related events, and they can encourage the proactive adoption of sustainable practices and products. Um, They can offer incentives that drive preventative behaviors and and more sustainable behaviors through their customer base.
1: And I know you said, you know, uh, through technology, technology plays a role. Obviously, it's important. But more specifically, what when you say technology is important in helping you know you become more sustainable? What do you, what do you mean specifically by that?
0: Well, I think there's a number of ways a, a number of ways that technology plays a role. Um, you know, for example, data is going to play a really critical role. Um, there'll be more data. There'll be different types of data from sensors, from you know different image, sources of imagery, et cetera. Um, if you think about the changing weather patterns uh, in the world, you know insurers rely on past models to create pricing models and risk models for today and those models are with the with the changes in climate those models are you can be less reliable than they've been in the past so insurance companies are going to have to rely on data more and more from different sources, from new types of sources, to be able to create those risk models. And those risk models will help appropriately price these new types of risk, but also potentially predict events and enable people to react more proactively. Uh, If you think of digital technologies, digital technologies can help drive a better experience um, across prevention to recovery from a catastrophic event. Um, Cloud, as I've already mentioned, can help drive reduction in carbon footprint for organizations. And APIs can help drive a more open ecosystem of partners for insurance companies, data partners, service partners, et cetera, to help them wholly restore their customers after an event.
1: Uh, So it sounds like real-time data is going to be more and more important.
0: Yeah, real-time data. And like I said, new sources of data, more data. More unique data. Um, it's it's the the future of big data is is going to be huge. In fact, you know we we believe uh, so strongly that technology is going to have such a big part to play within insurance that our annual world insurance report this year, which will be released in May, focuses exactly on how technology can help insurers drive a more sustainable and resilient future.
1: Now, kind of segue for, to telematics, right? So, what what is telematics insurance?
0: Yeah, telematics really simply is just the gathering and use of data from a variety of sensors in vehicle and vehicles, equipment, homes, and you know, using that data um, to be able to, you know uh the, the most obvious example maybe is the data collected from your car around um uh, you know how much you drive and and using that for a pay-as-you-go type of auto insurance um that's that's the best example or probably the easiest example from telematics or if you think about you know commercial insurance um gathering data from sensors uh so that you can you know tell if a if an if a piece of equipment has gone offline and that's going to cause, you know, uh, uh, a, cl- a, cl- a claim event or or create a business interruption or, or something to that effect.
1: I mean, how do you think that, um, how will it have an impact on the insurance industry, do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a little surprised it hasn't had a larger impact already, actually. Uh, insurance companies have been have been thinking about this and testing this technology for a long time. And I think they've really struggled in terms of kind of what to do with this technology and how to turn it into a value proposition that um, creates value for their customers, but also creates value for them. Um, But I do sense um, in the last year, one one to two years, a real increase in focus and level of maturity. And I think, you know, the best case for the insurance industry in in using this technology is to I think there's an opportunity to shift the entire value proposition within the insurance industry. Um, Today, insurers are really kind of considered providers, meaning, you know, if you have a loss, they will, you know, pay you back after, after you file your claim and they'll cover you for that loss. I think there's an opportunity for them to move more into a partner protector type of role which is I will help you avoid or minimize loss by leveraging, you know, this technology and this data. Um, For example, you know, a sensor in in your home or uh, we were just actually talking about, you know, sustainability Um, leveraging sensors to proactively warn customers of, I don't know, for example, a wildfire and helping them prepare their home, um, protect their possessions, protect their family's safety before that fire, you know, reaches them Um, and then, you know, helping them recover um, in the event that it, that it does impact them.
1: Yeah. You know, one thing I'm just kind of thinking about now is, um, are consumers, do you feel like they're okay with that? Like having so much, like knowing that so much data on them is being collected what does it mean for consumers? Like,
0: well, I think that's I think that's really been a struggle. And you know, for for a long time, insurance companies were were trying to leverage you know telematics and, and automobiles, for example, as a as an input to pricing. And you know, people have kind of self selected uh, into those programs. Um, well, they will put a sensor in their car and you know let you use that for pricing only if you're a really good driver and a really careful driver, right? Um, I think consumers will be okay with that happening if there's a value proposition for them. Um, and I think that, that that value proposition, as I said, is, is one of you will help me prevent loss and help me protect myself. You'll help me mitigate loss and keep my, you know, my family, my possessions, my investments safe.
1: Yeah. Or even, you know, one that I was thinking about was you could even just with every data point or sensor, maybe there could be like a little bit of a discount on the insurance rate. That would be, that would probably drive, they're probably okay with that.
0: Yeah, that, that has, that has been, uh, that has been used at least in auto insurance. Um, it, you know, in, in business insurance, we've seen um we've seen a little bit more uptick of this in large commercial where, you know, the sensors and equipment can, and maybe because it's not at such an individual level, but it can really, you know, alert you to an issue that will cost the business money um, and, and potentially create a risk. So there's been more adoption there. And I think you just have to create those use cases where it's, you know, It creates value for consumers at a personal level as well.
1: You know, I kind of want to segue a little bit into female leadership in insurance. Obviously, you know, women are still largely underrepresented in the insurance industry. What has been your personal experience and journey as a female leader in a male-dominated sector?
0: I think I've probably been very fortunate throughout my career. I've had fantastic mentors, both male and female. Um... I have never had the experience, you know, of, of feeling like I was passed over for something overtly because I'm I'm a woman. Um, I have observed this um happen to other people, unfortunately. I think my experience and and probably other women have felt this as well, is it's a it's a little bit more subtle um, when you're working in a male-dominated industry. I think you miss out on some of the informal networking. Um and you know kind of where the the additional context and relationship building and informal discussions and decisions you know really get made um and i think you know you aren't maybe listened to as quite an authority or an expert as a leader um as a man when he speaks i mean i've been in meetings before where i've i've you know kind of set a direction and i've had people in the room you know look to a man in the room just to See that he's going to agree with me, um, and that that is what we're in fact going to do. Um, I do think that it's it's. I do think it's getting better, um, it, and I, I have a couple of reasons why I think that. But I I think just the fact that we're talking about it today means that you know there's there's an increased awareness and there's an increased um, sense of urgency about you know getting a more diverse talent set, especially at a leadership level.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess what can people do to help accelerate that? I mean, as people are moving through the talent pipeline and getting into more senior leadership roles, what would you, you know, maybe give some advice to your peers or how can males be an ally to make that happen faster?
0: Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, You know, I think for women, I, I think, you know, this, it sounds so obvious, but you just, you have to keep showing up and keep speaking up and be assertive and be consistent. I I think that men can help. And actually I was, I was just so encouraged. I recently did a round table, um, for some new joiners, uh, to cap Gemini in our Chicago office. And it was, it was on international women's day. So gender equality was, was kind of the topic of the day. And first of all, it was, um, There is about a 50-50 gender uh, split between the attendees, which I think in the past I've attended a lot of, you know, International Women's Day events, and it's been, you know, 90% women, if not more. Um, but these these new joiners, um, there was a, a young man that asked, what can I do to help make sure that we avoid, you know, kind of this gender bias at work? Like, what specifically can I do? And I was just so encouraged to hear that question um, because I, I haven't heard anyone, and especially, you know, a 22, 23-year-old uh, ask that question before. And I think that that gives me a lot of hope that that's what young people are thinking today is how is I as how can I as an individual contribute uh, to you know gender equality in the workforce I think it's fantastic
1: it's kind of tricky because you know there are people who maybe feel like defensive like oh man like I'm not how am I you know I'm, I'm not the cause of this problem because I'm white and I'm male or and and so it is it is I, I can totally see how there's but it's uh, there can be productive tension too though
0: yeah, it's hard sometimes not to get discouraged, and and I do. I think you're right. I think the the bias that you're unaware unaware of in yourself is is probably the one that's more, most pervasive. But I think the fact again that people are asking questions about what can I do, and at least you know raising those questions. So maybe other people that were in that audience who hadn't thought about that before heard the question and heard the answer, and now you know they've they're more aware of it as they move through their day as well.
1: You, you have a very impressive uh, career path, career, you know, you've been very successful. What advice would you give to your younger self if you could go back and talk to that 22, 23 year old?
0: I would probably have two pieces of advice. Number one is don't forget to enjoy yourself along the way. Um, a career is a marathon, not a sprint. And um, you know, you, you you have to treat it that way to a certain extent and, and have fun and, you know, things, you you have bad days, but then you have good days and, you know, things have a way of kind of working themselves out if you you just, you know, keep working, keep showing up. Um, I think the other thing I would probably tell my younger self is don't be afraid to move on. I I mean, there are situations where if you work harder or smarter, um, you know, that situation will get better. There are also situations that just for whatever reason are not going to work out for you. And I think I, really focused on trying to make every single situation for myself uh, work and at at times I think there were times where I should have just you know moved on and 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 done something different Um, so don't be afraid to say I don't think that this is working out for me I do think that the younger generation is is much more open to you know looking for new opportunities and kind of moving on and I think that that's that's great.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Zellros. Zelros is an AI software solution for insurance to hyper-personalize the customer buying experience with insurance recommendations across all channels, boosting client acquisitions, cross-sell and upsell. Thank you for tuning in to the InsureBreak podcast. Join us next month as we interview another insurance executive to gain insight on innovative practices, technology advancements, and what the future of the industry looks like. See you next month.